Hey ghouls and gals, thanks for tuning in. I'm Cat Commander, and I wanted to let everyone know our DMs are open for story suggestions and other cool ideas. Let's jump right in. Today, we're encountering evil with Tamala Horsford. How did a woman mysteriously wound up dead at a party November 4th, 2018? Her face and head appearing to be badly beaten and bruised, found lying face down in the homeowner's backyard, but somehow, none of the 10 attendees saw anything. Let's take a step back. Born October 10th, 1978, Tamla Horsford was a black mother of five that lived in Cummings, Georgia with her husband and their five sons. Their home in Cummings, Georgia has a nasty history of racism dating back to 1912 when two white women were allegedly assaulted by black men. One of the men, Rob Edwards, was shot and hung from a telephone pole. None of these men were proven to be the perpetrators. After this incident, the town completely banned blacks from living there, and anyone who tried to stay were told their house would be burned down. Cumming is actually known as a sundown town, which, if you're unfamiliar, are towns that are white only and use discriminatory laws, harassment, and threats to keep non-whites out. And get this, it wasn't until 1987 that things even began to change. After a group of black people were assaulted while camping, the news spread to Atlanta. This resulted in a peace march, but upon arriving, the marchers were beaten by 400 of the white residents, and on January 24, 1987, a brotherhood march took place, but this time, 20,000 protesters attended to integrate the town. So during this case, keep in mind the history and mindset of this particular community. On Saturday, November 3rd, 2018, Tamala would attend Jean Meyer's 45th birthday party. And Jean's actually a woman. It's spelled J-E-A-N-N-E, -E, but pronounced Jean. Tamala's boys were into football, and Cummings was a big football town, so that's how they met, and they were by no means best friends. The invitation asked the women to be there by 7 p.m., but Tamala was late because she made a casserole for her family and got them all settled in before she went. But she was super excited to go out as she never really had girl time or personal time because she was a dedicated mother. She arrived at Jean's house at approximately 8.30 p.m. She attended a football mom's adults-only sleepover with seven white women and three white men. This evening was intended to be a ladies' night, but Jean's boyfriend, Jose Barrera, and the husband of another attendee, Tom Smith, stayed behind. Jose stayed claiming he didn't feel well, and Tamla was the only person of color in attendance. Tamla had met this group of moms through their children's football league, and although she was not familiar with all the women at the party, she was known to make friends and be the life of the party. Tamla arrived at the party with a small overnight bag, a bottle of tequila that she had gotten for John as a gift. She encouraged the other women to try the tequila because it was the good stuff, but they all declined, one saying the smell made her gag. 
which honestly is pretty fucking rude. I mean, if someone gets you a gift, I understand maybe you don't exactly like it, but usually you accept out of kindness. And it kind of seems like from the beginning, they were already kind of standoff-ish towards her. Like everyone else, Tamala changed into her pajamas, which was a white onesie with paw prints, and the group settled in for a night of drinking, playing board games, and of course, watching football. Brera and Smith, which were the two men, were downstairs in the basement, as Tamla and the other women were upstairs in the living room. Tamla was in contact with her family throughout the evening, and she was going outside on the back deck to take a smoke break of both marijuana and cigarettes. But Jean, which is the owner of the home, claims she asked Tamla to stop. According to Jean herself, she had teased Tamla, calling her the female Bob Marley, and reminding her that her boyfriend, Jose Barrera, worked as a pretrial officer and did not approve. Okay, so let's break a few things down. Anyone that smokes weed knows that you're not just going to light up anywhere. Um, it's much more likely that more than one person smokes, or they're comfortable with it, especially if there's an officer being present, you're definitely gonna move more cautiously. And also something about Jean calling the only black person a female Bob Marley just doesn't sit right in my soul. Um, I get it, Bob Marley smokes weed, but I feel like there are a lot of other references and Tamla's actually from the island. I don't know, I just thought that was a little bit weird. And now we're seeing that they have a direct tie with the police department. The night continued and the men that were downstairs in the basement eventually joined the rest of the party upstairs in the living room and the group started to play Cards Against Humanity. Photos and videos up to this point showed Tamala smiling and looking like she was having a genuinely good time. Although Tamla was drinking tequila throughout the evening, she did not appear to be drunk. This was confirmed by several of the guests. And by 11.30, most of the guests that weren't spending the night had been picked up, and the ones that were left started to go off to bed over the next few hours. The home security system logged the front door opening and closing several times around this time. Around 1.30 a.m., Jean and her boyfriend headed off to bed. Tamla was still awake and would last be seen by Bridget Fuller, whose husband picked her up at 1.47 a.m. According to a later statement made by Bridget, she stated that when she left, Tamla was eating a bowl of gumbo and planned on smoking one last cigarette before going off to bed. Tamla was to sleep upstairs in one of Jean's boys' room. The home security system showed that back door opening at 1.49 a.m. The door then closed at 1.50 a.m., then opened again at 1.57 a.m., where it remained open. The system would also log a door opening at 4.10 a.m., again at 7.45 a.m., and finally at 8.30 a.m. when the other guests left in the morning. Around 8.45 a.m., Madeline Lombard, Jean's aunt who lived in the house, headed into the kitchen to make her morning cup of coffee. In her interview with police, Lombardi describes seeing something through the kitchen window in the backyard. It was the white dog print onesie. It was Tamla, face down in the grass, not moving. After saying a prayer, Lombardi heads upstairs to find Jean, 
telling her something appeared to be wrong with her friend from the island. Again, Tamla moved from the Caribbean to the United States when she was about 11 years old. Okay, so you see what you think is one of the guests passed out, possibly harmed, and the very first thing you do is pray. I don't know, I understand religion and all that, but why would you pray unless you thought something horrible had happened? My first thought would be, maybe she passed out from drinking or even fell asleep outside. And then to refer to Tamla as your friend from the island just seems one, racist, and two, you spent the whole evening together and you don't even know her name. And even by this point, instead of going to check on her, you go upstairs first? Once Madeline alerted the two of them, she was adamant about speaking to Jose specifically. Then they all went downstairs. At the Forest County 911 call center, a call came in at 8.59 a.m. with both Jean and her boyfriend, Jose Barrera. So I'm going to go ahead and play the entire 911 call. It's about seven minutes. There are moments where they seem to maybe cut out information like a phone number um, for privacy reasons, obviously. Um, so kind of just stick it out through. I just kind of want to give you the whole picture um, and see what you guys think. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. Uh, yes, um, I, I need an ambulance and a place to my home. What's the address? 
completely not sure. Okay, and that's the only blood that you would see? That's what I can see without moving her over. I have okay. a clean space. Um, do you know if she, um, do you know if she was suicidal at all? I have no clue. I've met her one other time. Um, you know, like my girlfriend said, we were over last night. <clears throat> um, just, we were at, she was, her birthday party, we were not the woman that we believe to be deceased, but my girlfriend's birthday party, instead of having everybody go out, she had everyone stay in. And she was the last one I saw before everybody, I mean, everybody was typically put off to bed. She was the last one in the kitchen. She was just either waiting around for a ride or waiting until the morning. Okay. How far is the, uh, where she would have fell from, how far is the deck from the ground? Um, I would probably say... Uh, 20 feet. Okay. You know, 20 feet from where your feet would be on the railing. The railing itself is maybe three and a half, four feet. Okay. And what is her name? Uh, I know her name. You can call her Tam. I'm assuming it's short for Tammy or Tamra. Was she there with anyone else? Uh, her name is Cam Forsberg, H-O-R-S-F-O-R-D, so it's left here now. I don't believe anybody was. Uh, my girlfriend has cameras here on the back deck that we can check. Okay. That I think would have caught the incident if she fell from here. Again, I, I, true, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say if she fell from from the deck or she was already downstairs. She was the only on smoker second. here and I'm sorry, hands are all enough muscle. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. So you think she's possibly okay, out um, smoking? Yeah, she was she was the only smoker I mean I'm I'm on the back deck right now and, you know, cigarettes lighter I'll type the finger out here. Um, okay. I'm just trying to see where Okay. Alright. Um, have are all the people that were there last night are they still at your house? Okay, 
I find it weird that the 911 operator would ask if she was suicidal and it kind of sets up the question especially considering the fact that they don't know if she was murdered, if this was an accident, or really what happened. And I feel like setting up a question like that can definitely throw off the investigation. And also, Jose mentioned that they there were cameras that may have catched what happened to Tamla. And the operator never says, no, leave it alone, or turn the camera over to authorities. And that was a little weird. Not that she's involved in any way or anything. Just thought I'd point that out. Um, also, it seems at one point when the operator tells Jose to check on Tamala, there seems to be maybe some kind of mute or something like that. I'm not sure if that is just them cutting out information or if he did mute it. Um, so I can't say too much on that. Just something to look out for, for sure. Once police actually arrived at the scene, Lieutenant Spriggs instantly recognized Jose as a felony probation agent in Forsyth County, which is where they are. So not only is he a police officer, but now there's some familiarity. Hmm. Um... They requested a list of everyone who attended the party, and that included Madeline, Jose, Nicole, Marcy, Sarah, Stacy, her husband Tom, Michelle, Paula, Jennifer, and Bridget. Now, Jean stated that Tamla wanted everyone to stay up with her because she didn't get to go out too often, but no one wanted to, and the last time she said she saw Tamla was in the living room by herself at around 1.30 a.m. and that she didn't seem drunk at all. Jean even provided timestamps of when some of the guests left. At 10.30 p.m., Sarah and Nicole left. Then at 1.47 a.m., Bridget left after her husband picked her up. At 4.10 a.m., Marcy left. And then at 7.45 a.m., Paula left. Then finally, Tom and Stacy left at approximately 8 a.m., right before Tamala's body was discovered. I find it shocking that none of the guests saw Tamala's body when they were leaving. None of them, and there was approximately 10 people there. So when asked when the last time he saw Tamala, he being Jose, he originally said that Tamala was waiting in the kitchen for a ride to go home or waiting until morning, but later changed the story to Tamla specifically telling him that she was going out back to smoke where her body would later be found. He said that he was cleaning up in the morning when he found an unlit cigarette with a lighter on the balcony where Tamla allegedly fell off. But when did he have time to clean? Because remember, he was allegedly woken up by Madeline Later, the police questioned the partygoers and then let them go. So they were free to talk amongst themselves and even text other friends that weren't even there. So now information isn't being contained and people are going in and out of this crime scene that's honestly just not being preserved. Now, when the autopsy report returns, 
it is found that her blood alcohol level is 0.238, which is almost three times the legal limit to drive and is typically associated with blackouts, loss of coordination, and even vomiting, which none of that was reported during her time at the party. Even in all the photos and videos, she appears to be clear-headed and not intoxicated. There was no vomit or pooled blood found around or near her body. There was also marijuana in her system, as I mentioned previously, and traces of Xanax, which she wasn't prescribed or wasn't known to take. But what I found online is that Xanax has been used in cases of drugging people because it causes a user to become very tired. Now, when investigators went back to question party goers, they spoke to Bridget Fuller, who again was picked up at 1.47 a.m. and she claims she last saw Tamla eating gumbo. She said they hugged goodbye and she went on her way. But now she's saying, and this is a direct quote, don't take me up 100%, but something like 150 or 155, the back door never shut and an unlit cigarette was laying on the deck with what I think was Tamla's lighter, unquote. Okay, so how is that possible when she allegedly left at 1.47 a.m., according to her and everyone else at the party? So of course the police stopped and questioned her, and she admitted that her and the other people at the party were corroborating stories, and when the police pressed for more information, she just started going on some random tangent. The next interview that stuck out to me was the one with Madeline, the live-in aunt of Jean. She claimed she didn't hear any noise after she went to bed because her room was located in the basement and she turned her noisemaker, which makes thunderstorm sounds, on loud. And it seems like this interview was conducted in John's home, which is where Tamla died. During Madeline's interview, Jean interrupted and attempted to give investigators gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts, which they didn't accept. And it's like your friend died in your home and you're trying to bribe the police with gift cards. And it gets more wild. She then continues to have an unrelated conversation with Madeline in the middle of this interrogation and then has a phone conversation with one of the people from the party and they can hear the interview which obviously distracts officers and is totally inappropriate and they ended the interview right there. In almost all the interviews that followed, the attendees of the party kept mentioning that Tamla was the only smoker, even unprovoked and multiple times. They were really trying to drill this fact in, but why? The strange thing is that all the cigarettes that are on the back deck were never taken in for evidence for DNA or any kind of forensic analysis. Later it came out that Tamla actually wanted to go home at some point, and this was backed by Tom, Stacy, and Bridget, but it's unclear why she wanted to go home. And all the guests tried to talk her out of leaving, but others left through the night without protest, as mentioned earlier, 
So why did they want her to stay? And while all this is going on, there is no coverage, which we all know is no surprise. It wasn't until Tamla's best friend, Michelle Graves, was very outspoken about this case, as she saw all the inconsistencies and decided to speak out. Later, Graves actually made a complaint to the sheriff's office that Jose had accessed her personal information through the sheriff's office computer system and had shared it with five members from the party. They did an investigation and later fired Jose Barrera due to him accessing files on the investigation on November 7th, then again on November 20th, and then he accessed information about Jean getting a restraining order on Michelle, another partygoer. But the order was dismissed, and he received no charges because they said the records were public, and they fired him because there was a loss of trust. In the end, the final autopsy told a very different story. It showed injuries that didn't seem to be caused by a fall of that height. Tamla had blunt force trauma to the head, neck, torsos, and extremities. There were abrasions on her face, hemorrhaging in her brain, with a dislocated right wrist, and cuts on her arms and legs. She also suffered a broken neck and laceration to the right ventricle of her heart and a fractured second vertebrae in her neck. Tamla had also been found laying face down and not to one side or the other, and she had no broken facial bones, which again, it was reported that she almost like face planted into the ground, but broke none of her facial bones. During the initial investigation, no fingerprints were collected from the scene or from Tamla's body. They didn't check underneath her fingernails, they didn't do a sexual assault kit, and apparently the cameras that were mentioned earlier, the batteries were dead or hadn't been recording. They didn't really clarify there. And they said this procedure wasn't done because they assumed that her death wasn't foul play. Now, in January 2021, an Atlanta TV station reported that one of the deputies called to the scene that night had taken pictures of Tamla's body and sent them to two separate women he was interested in. Corporal Mike Christian also sent them pictures of the toxicology report and other evidence from this case. Christian was investigated by the Internal Affairs Division and is no longer employed with the Sheriff's Office. This really highlights how botched the investigation was for Tamla's case. And actually, it's in the process of being investigated right now. So as there are updates, I will update you. Um, but tell me what you guys think. I also wanted to mention that I will not post photos or videos of Tamla's children, family, or friends because they do not want their pictures in the media and I want to give them the utmost respect. Also, I do not condone the harassment of those involved in the case. I'm just here to give you the facts. So with that being said, please make sure to give us a follow at Encountering underscore evil on Instagram. Stay tuned. And don't forget to look behind you.